Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, everyone. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News, here to tell you that we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. Well, by now you might be aware that a little political drama has been playing out in Tennessee. Uh, There was a big to-do in the Tennessee legislature. It was, quite frankly, under the definitions we've been told to accept an insurrection. An insurrection happened, a mob, angry mob, stormed the building, and there were people with bullhorns shouting down the legislature while they're trying to work on legislation. This is all over gun control. This is a left-wing mob that, that insisted on having gun control. And the ringleaders of this, the people with the megaphones, turned out to be members, Democratic members of the Tennessee legislature. They were named Justin Jones and Justin Pearson and Gloria Johnson. There were three of them that were involved in this. In the legislature, they, they looked things over and they decided to expel Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, who are black, and they left Gloria Johnson in the legislature because she didn't do anything as disruptive as the other two. They decided to to take a pass on her, and she rewarded the uh, the legislature, the Republicans in the legislature, by immediately running out and saying they're racists because they left the white lady in and they got rid of the black guys. Don't even try to make sense of any of this. It is, if you're not a liberal, this, this will make your brain hurt trying to follow what these people are saying and doing. But that kicks off this big national controversy, and in the end, the expelled legislators got their seats back. They got reinstated. And this is being presented as the stunning triumph for the Democratic Party. It's like a, a demonstration of their raw power that they got these guys back in, even though I think they were always going to get back in. I think the intention was not to expel them permanently, but it's being portrayed as if this was some huge win for them. And now they're supposed to be national heroes. Now they're they're like these towering figures of and heroic uh, warriors for Democratic Party politics and everything. Never mind that the two Justins here, the two guys who were expelled, are complete fakes. These guys are absolute phonies. They, they're they clean, cut, pressed, and dried college students up until like a year ago when they suddenly started wearing dashikis and talking like Martin Luther King because they wanted to get in on the racial racket, and they're really playing that up you know, for this, this whole thing they got involved with. And this is all ultimately about gun control. And the really interesting thing about the Tennessee drama, to me, you know, leaving the individual people out of it, and of course it's going to be manipulated for politics. And of course, the Democratic Party is all about emotional manipulation and accusing people of racism and playing up their little heroes. I mean, that was always predictable as the sun rising in the morning. But at its heart, this was an insurrection. This was a group of people who were a mob and then these Democratic members of the Tennessee legislature who decided the rules don't apply to them because they are super right and they are righteous and they are determined and they are good and wise and smart. And you stupid people out there need to start giving gun control powers to the state. It's not up for debate anymore. You're not allowed to vote on it anymore. Uh, The people you voted for, your elected representatives, maybe they are hesitant to impose these silly gun control measures that have nothing to do with the actual problems at hand. Uh, You don't have the right to vote for those people anymore. If you do, we're going to get out megaphones and bullhorns and shout them down and shut down the legislature and bring an angry mob in 
in and smash the place up. They're, this is basically a birthing cry of an ugly new form of totalitarianism. It's been in progress. It's been mutating. It's been getting worse. We've had a lot of street violence from the left lately. They're used to getting their way through uh, tactics like that. But now they're bringing those tactics right into the legislature. And this only a couple of years after they told us January 6th was worse than the Civil War, worse than World War II, the worst attack on democracy in the history of forever because there was this big fracas at the Capitol building. And those guys went to jail. The people who did that were sent to jail, solitary confinement, no trial. I mean, they, they were treated like as harshly as could be. But if you're a Democrat, you do the same thing. You're a hero and you get your seat back because you're right. And democracy doesn't really apply to you anymore. So that's, that's what these people are basically saying. They talk about democracy a lot and constantly, incessantly, and they call themselves the Democratic Party. There's nothing democratic about them. That's why democratic is not the, the right term for them. They don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in limited government. They don't believe in checks and balances on power. And they most certainly do not believe that if you have a different political opinion than them, that you deserve full faith and can fight for what you believe and that your victories need to be respected. When they lose an election, they don't say, okay, gosh, you know, you guys won, we'll go along. They fight like wildcats. As far as Democrats are concerned, when they lose an election, the fight's just getting started. And generally speaking, they're, they're quite willing to question the elections. They said, you're not allowed to do that. You can never question when a Democrat wins. But if a Democrat loses, they can question all day and all night whether the election was fair and legitimate, and they can carry on as if it wasn't. Well, now you've got them smashing down legislatures, shouting people down with megaphones because of the fierce urgency of their gun control crusade. While that was going on, in the legislature uh, after this terrible Nashville event, the legislature was actually working on a bill that passed and was signed by the governor that would enhance protection for schools. This is something that actually would make a difference. They, they, they didn't just do a silly gun control screed. They did something that would really make a difference, more money, more security, more protection for kids in schools against things like this. And the uh, Tennessee Three voted against it. So these guys that are putting on this big clown show, they could not be bothered to help you with something that would actually make your kids safer. And they said they wouldn't vote for it because they felt it didn't address the real fundamental issues, uh, which in their mind is gun control. The only thing that matters is gun control legislation and anything else you do is a distraction from that holy crusade. You get this kind of thing a lot out of the gun control crowd. They'll propose some idea they have that has nothing to do with a shooting or a crime that occurred. And of course, they don't want to talk about shootings that don't fit their agenda. So if you ask them, hey, what about the gun-free paradise of Chicago and its endless waves of murders? Harumph, harumph, they change the subject. They tell you to shut up. They don't want to talk about that. So they only want to talk about things that they can use for political gain. And incredibly, the Nashville shooting, which was perpetrated by an enraged, unhinged trans sexual became something they could use because they eliminated the shooter. See, you don't hear a word about the person who actually did it anymore. And if you do, that person is spoken of as though they were a martyr for transsexual rights. It wasn't even really the shooter's fault that they went in and shot a bunch of kids at a, at a school. They, it wasn't their fault. You did that. You, you, the people of America did that because you're, you're anti-trans and you don't accept their agenda and you resist them. So really all of you listening to this, you were the ones pulling that trigger, not, not the shooter. And they won't let us read the shooter's manifesto. You know, the shooter has a written manifesto that they left behind and we're not allowed to see it. It's going to be kept under wraps probably till the end of time because they don't want anybody to know what the, what the person said, because it's going to be bad for the Democrats. It's going to be very bad for the left, whatever was in this manifesto. So we're not allowed to talk about that. So the shooter is off the table. And now we're being told all that really matters is that Democrats get their gun control laws. If you let them have their gun control stuff, then you care and you're a good person and you're on the right page. And if you do anything that would stop them 
from getting their gun control laws, such as passing bills that would increase funding for school security to do something that would actually make kids safer, then you're getting in their way. So you're taking attention away from the true and noble cause of gun control, and that makes you bad and wrong, and you must be opposed by any means necessary. And if you happen to be the elected majority party, well, they're going to reverse that election as, as efficiently as they can, and they'll use brute force like mob tactics if that's what they have to do. They feel entirely justified in doing things like this. Gun control has become such a signature issue for the left, for the Democrats, because they feel like this is the one part of the culture war they haven't decisively won yet. They feel like they dominate and control every other aspect of culture to an almost ridiculous degree. They're indoctrinating kids in schools with all kinds of insane stuff. And if you try to stop them, you, the FBI comes after you. You're like a terrorist if you say a bad word about what they're doing to your kids in school. So they think they've got it all locked down except the gun thing. That is the one part of culture they can't seem to penetrate or permeate. They even managed to get to drag queens in the country music awards a couple weeks ago. So they, they've even gotten that far, but they can't get to the gun people. The, the gun culture is stubbornly resistant to their domination. So they have to have gun control laws that are going to start making people feel less and less like the second amendment is a real thing that gives you an inalienable right, a part of the bill of rights. Uh, they don't want you thinking like that. They need you to think that whatever gun you're allowed to own is a gift from the state. It can be retracted at a moment's notice. They don't think you deplorable little people are worthy of that Second Amendment right. As far as they're concerned, it's not there. It's in the Constitution, but it doesn't exist. You can ask anybody on the left about the Second Amendment, and they'll tell you it doesn't mean what it clearly says. There's invisible ink scribbled all over it that says what it was really talking about is the government regulating some kind of police force that would be armed, and it's not supposed to be about individual rights, even though that's what it clearly says, and that's what the Bill of Rights is all about. So they don't think that needs to be there, and one of the reasons they hate the Second Amendment so much is that it gives you this adult respect it says you have a right and a responsibility to defend your family, and you have an obligation to do it responsibly. You're allowed to keep and bear arms, but you shouldn't abuse them. You mustn't abuse them. If you do, that's a crime. And if you go out and kill somebody, you're in trouble. You're going to go to jail. But otherwise, you have a right to own weapons, to protect yourself, to protect your kids, to insist that your children are protected while they're in school. This is all the way an adult sovereign citizen is spoken to by his government. And that is not at all the government the Democratic Party has in mind. Their relationship is more like government is mommy and you're its children. So the Second Amendment has got to go. And this is the latest effort to get rid of it. And you need to fight back if you want to keep the rest of the Bill of Rights. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor for Breitbart News. Sitting in for Alan today, we'll be right back with more of the Alan Nathan Show. This message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global 
Global Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit fibronear-ipf.longboat.com and fibronear-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans' organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at PVA.org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. You can find my work at Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. But there's a name creeping into the political discussion these days. He's actually been involved in politics for a very long time, but you're not supposed to talk about him. Mentioning his name is, is considered bad, wrong, and evil. You'll be attacked if you even say it. He's an invisible presence that we're just supposed to accept in all of our lives, and he may have more impact over our lives than any other 
other single person alive who isn't actually a member of the government. His name is George Soros. He is a billionaire donor to left-wing causes, and he is in the news these days because people have been noticing that uh, district attorneys and attorney generals that he finances uh, their election tend to be very soft on crime, and quite a lot of innocent people are getting robbed and killed as a result of this, and there's some brewing public anger wondering who is this guy and why does he seem to have so much to say about our legal system. Well, here with us to talk about it is someone who literally wrote the book on the subject, Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld, founder and president of the New York-based American Center for Democracy and Economic Warfare Institute and author of The Soros Agenda. Welcome to The Alan Nathan Show. Thank you for having me. Well, this is such an interesting topic, because if you're deep into politics, of course you know who George Soros is, and his actions and words and deeds have been much discussed over the years. But the general public hears very little about him. The media doesn't talk about him. And if anyone brings him up, they are immediately attacked. And you're either called anti-Semitic, because he supposedly is the avatar of all Jewish people, or you're <laughs> called a conspiracy theorist, because to even mention him is to be a tinfoil hat conspiracy wacko, even though it's demonstrably true that he has enormous influence over American political life through the money he spends. You are absolutely right. And usually uh, people who are, try, who are criticizing Soros are called both anti-Semitic and uh, conspiracy theorists. Um, and I, I am uh, I'm Jewish. I uh, was born in Israel. So it would, and I'm using facts, uh, not fiction and not, uh, I'm not implying anything. I use facts, and um, so uh, yeah, he should be he should be criticized for what he's doing, like everybody else. If we don't like what somebody is doing, if you don't like uh, if somebody is harming us, we should absolutely criticize and and ask for explanation why it is being done and who is doing it, right? Right. Um, and, and you notice that standard is applied in the other direction. If you're a millionaire donor and you're very influential and you're a conservative or Republican, nobody is going to say that it's anti-Semitic to talk about you or that your name must not be spoken. This is exclusively George Soros that gets this consideration. Uh, George Soros has a, a special uh, treatment, a special um, um, treatment uh, from the media. Uh, and since actually most well, large percentage of the media in this country and elsewhere uh, is not um, is not conservative, uh, is not even center. Uh, it's usually leaning to the left, and as we see it now with the Biden administration uh, and the Democrats here, it is really it is it is pushing news or, or what it is deciding is news. Um, what we should know, what the public should know, according to them, uh, but um, does not report on things that they think we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't know, actually. We shouldn't be aware of. What but is anyway, George Soros, what's he trying to do? What is the Soros agenda? That's the thing you're never supposed to mention. Soros, what's he actually trying to do? Soros is trying to change the uh, United States. Uh, he has bigger ambitions, and he had bigger ambitions uh, for many, many years. Uh, to change the world, uh, but the major, but he understood that uh, if you can manage to change what is happening in the United States, uh, culturally, legally, um, you will be able to influence uh, what is happening in the rest of the world. And so uh, he started with this back in 1995, 
with even in 1994, uh, when he established his Open Society Foundation or Institute at the time in New York. Uh, his idea, he, he started with changing, he started actually by changing efforts to change laws. Uh, and he, he didn't go to, uh, he didn't go to Congress, he didn't try to influence or uh, lobby Congress to change laws. What he's done, he started with grassroots uh, and in different states, uh, grassroots uh, groups that he has funded. And the first law that he tried to change was a very interesting, uh, ex- a very interesting experiment, I guess, exper- experiment at the time. Uh, he tried to change, this was the first attempt to try and legalize drugs. And he started in California. Because if you, if you take um, uh, drugs, which was a no-no at the time, uh, people did not approve, did not support, the use of, of drugs, uh, if you can manage to uh, influence politics uh, and influence public of voting uh, and referendums on drugs in different places, you gain enough political power to try to change the laws, right? Mm-hmm. So and- that's, what we, that's what he has done, and he was successful. And, you know, when you are successful, your appetite grows. <laughs> yeah, yes. so, and and it has grown because he's obviously far beyond drug legalization now and he isn't really trying to change the laws with what's getting him on the radar no, screen the no. reason I, we're talking about him he's undermining the law by financing yeah. these da's and ags who just right. refuse to enforce it it's called it's called uh, uh um justice reform criminal justice reform criminal law reform uh, everything justice, right? Uh, racial justice, uh, criminal justice, uh, gender justice, environment justice. Now we have everything. But it started with that. And the idea was to change uh, drug laws in, in cities, in uh, ruling, in cities, in, in, in small locales, in order to gain enough power to change it. So... Again, going to using grassroots, if you want, having funding the election of uh, DAs uh, in different places, of, uh, of uh, judges of where, where they are elected, uh, and prosecutors, you actually influence the system. And when, you, uh, <clears throat> when the idea is really, no, we have a different idea of how to handle criminal justice, but we are not going to Congress because it will be very difficult, if not impossible, to change it at this stage. Because, you know, uh, the Americans are still uh, thinking about law and order, most of them. Mm-hmm. So instead, let's change them locally in different places. And so there will be an accumulation of precedences all over the country. And this is how you can influence the legislation in Congress as well because people he's supporting the election of uh, progressives to Congress as well, right? And right. to local, local, to cities, to municipalities, uh, state secretaries, everybody. Uh, so this is how you, you gain actually enough power to eventually change the law. 
and it doesn't seem like there's a lot people can do about it because, of course, we have an open society and people are allowed to be political donors. He hides a lot of his donations uh, by laundering them through foundations. But in theory, there's nothing inherently wrong with a guy making political donations. It's just that we're not allowed to talk about him and organize meaningful opposition against his agenda. That's the problem. Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld, founder and president of the American Center for Democracy and Economic Warfare Institute. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm John Hayward, your guest host today. We will be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Climb puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? 
go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills, skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries, from healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. Well, during Easter Holy Week, the Walter Reed National Military Center issued a cease and desist order to the Franciscan priests of the Holy Name College who had been providing services for the Catholic patients at the hospital. They were booted out and replaced with a secular defense contractor who would now tend to their spiritual needs. It's an amazing story that sounds like a joke. You're waiting for the punchline. There isn't one this actually happened. That's what they did. They got rid of the priests and they bring in some guy. Here's your here's your spiritual advisor now. He's a government contractor. I don't even want to know what, what that was like. Well, here with us to talk about it is Craig Bannister in charge of media relations at CNS News. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, sir. Uh, thanks. Uh, yes, this is a, a developing story. It's kind of amazing that this would happen. And during Easter week, on top of it, you know, not to veer too far away from the matter at hand, but I have a hard time believing that they would kick out, say, the imams at a hospital during Ramadan and say, we're going to replace them with a secular contractor who uh, he's got a compass. He can show you which way Mecca is. I, I don't see that happening. So, so what happened here? Why were the Franciscan priests ejected? Well, we don't know why uh, the... Um... Walter Reed put out a statement uh, Tuesday after the uh, uproar. Uh, as, as you know, uh, uh, the bishop uh, uh, of that archdiocese uh, put out a statement condemning this, um, and uh, a number of Republicans are uh, demanding answers. Uh, but um, uh, Walter Reed put out a statement uh, on Tuesday responding to uh uh, all of the outreach and what they are claiming they're saying that the um that the contract expired and simply wasn't renewed that they weren't terminated uh they just weren't extended um so the contract happened to expire on march 30th um which occurred during holy week uh now uh 
it looks like while um, Walter Reed says the contract is, the contract is still under review and it cannot release the name um, of the uh, company awarded, uh, it has provided a, a number of uh, details uh, about the uh, the presumed uh, winner of the contract. Uh, uh, the Catholic News Service is reporting, and um, that that company is Mac Global LLC, which um, specializes in uh, janitorial supplies, tactical and training equipment, raw materials, industry machinery, and watertight doors and gym equipment. Uh, that but sounds... they also, on the side, provide religious services. Oh, oh, okay. So at least they do have a religious services division. So it's not uh, it's not the watertight doors guy that's going to come in and be the the religious counselor. Well, hopefully not. Uh, a, a number of people uh, would argue that uh, focus is important in any uh, uh, in any contract. Uh, you probably uh, wouldn't want a uh, a surgeon who uh, also moonlights as a wedding planner. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so, 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 uh, there, there's still that issue. Now, uh, I've, I've, I've received a copy of the statement from, uh, Walter Reed and it, it sidesteps, uh, a lot of the issues. It does, uh, try to provide, uh, answers, uh, to, uh, to a number of the objections and concerns about this, uh, for example, it says we already have uh, a Catholic priest uh, assigned to uh, Walter Reed, uh, separate from uh, from uh, the the friars. Uh, but as um, as the archdiocese has pointed out, uh, he's in the process of leaving the army. So uh, technically, it's true that they have someone there now, but uh, but not for long. Um, likewise, they say, well, we didn't terminate this uh, contract. We just allowed it to expire. But when asked, did they provide any notice uh, to the uh, to the friars that they weren't going to be renewed? Uh, the statement merely says, well, they knew when it was expiring when we signed the contract. Um, so uh, so I, I, I think that's uh, that's sidestepping the issue a little bit. Yeah, this gets a little more skeevy with every detail that emerges. And I was wondering if the Franciscan priests have, have officially responded to this yet and been clear about what they were and weren't told. But, I mean, a bureaucratic snafu seems like a, a very thin excuse to do something that would be fairly traumatic. I mean, we're talking about a hospital here, Walter Reed, fabled institution. You've got patients in there that their their spiritual needs are, are real. These are people suffering. They're recovering, uh, some of them probably seriously ill. And you're just going to shuffle out the priests because somebody didn't sign of form. I mean, that, and this is the government of paperwork, the Republic of Paperwork, you know, that, that does nothing but paperwork. And now they're going to tell us, oh, we forgot to send the renewal. Uh, we forgot to tell them the contract was running well, out. Well, just... see, they're not saying that they forgot to send the renewal. They're basically saying, well, we didn't have to send the renewal. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have to notify them that we weren't going to uh, <laughs> extend their contract. Well, it, it certainly would have been very Christian of them to do so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, wouldn't it, though? 
<laughs> yeah, the, the, the little Christian charity on Easter, no less. You know, during the holidays, that that's just so inconceivable. Like I said, it's traumatic. It's disrespectful. It's profoundly disrespectful. And I can't imagine this level of disrespect being shown to religions or ideologies that the government has more institutional respect for. And uh, and it it just happens to coincide with uh, uh, the the. Uh, memo obtained by, I believe, it, wasn't it Jim Jordan, uh, show, showing the Biden administration was looking to plant spies within the Catholic communities to get dirt on them as uh, domestic terrorists? Yeah, that's a that's a bit suspicious. I wonder what this military contractor would have to say about that. You know, who who are we getting here from this uh, religious division of the watertight doors company that's going to be handling this from now on? <laughs> Is that person going to be an FBI agent or something? That and so you bring up an interesting point there because this week there was news about all of the keywords that the FBI is is now searching for online. They're supposed to be extremism, and a lot of it is very innocuous language. You know, things that people say all the time in harmless context but they've decided that it's all extremist code extremist code language and that makes us more and more suspicious like are they going to decide your religion is extremism tomorrow and they're going to send these people after you well uh there there've also uh been reports that uh they're suspicious of the uh, extremism of catholics who attend the latin mass uh mm-hmm. that that that, that uh, i think they the the document referred to it as uh, traditional extremism, uh, <laughs> which I, I'm a little nonplussed by. Uh, so, so yes, uh, these things are happening coincidentally. And you were talking about the search for keywords that, uh, that they fear are code words. Uh, if you remember, uh, I believe that's what happened with the IRS under the Obama administration. They were uh, searching for words like patriotism, uh, tea Party, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. America, God. <laughs> which which really goes to show you that the government is gigantic and, you know, it, it may futz a little paperwork now and then, but it has a tremendous power to go after people. And it doesn't take much to get the gears turning. All you really need is somebody politically motivated with power. In the IRS scandal, it was a couple of Democratic representatives and senators that started loudly complaining on behalf of President Obama, who is the, the real party here, that these Tea Party groups were vexing them and were causing them all kinds of problems and somebody ought to look into these people. And the next thing you know, the IRS is doing what it did. And now you have this. You have people, so they, these expanding list of keywords is these people on the, the ruling party that are saying, we don't like these people, go after them. So they come up with everything they're interested in. One of the words is LARPing, which is live action role playing. There's like people running around dressed up like Robin Hood. You know, they, they're supposed to be political extremists that are going to take over the whole country now. Red pill is another word they're going after. That's from the Matrix movies. I mean, it, it's as if anything we say now could get us on the radar screen if they can lose connected with ideologies they don't like right and and that is personally that it, that is one of the problems that I have with the concept of a hate crime uh, you do if you harm someone you harm them and it and it, and it shouldn't uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure robbing a friend is any less the, uh, of a crime than robbing someone that you that you hate um, and and it also requires the jury to be mind readers. And the same thing is happening here with these so-called code words. 
uh, you're asking, you're presuming that you can look into someone's mind and say, well, because they they used this word, it, they really meant that word. Um, and that, that, that takes you into very murky territory uh, when you start presuming to know what is in someone else's mind and what they really mean by what they say. Right, and you know that standard won't be applied evenly because other people will be able to get away with, with frankly, incendiary things, and they'll get a free pass because the same powers that be will decide they're good and right and they have good ideology, so we're not going to bother them. We all know how this, this exactly. game is played. It's never fair. Craig Bannister, Media Relations Public Relations Chief at CNS News, thank you for joining us. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor for Breitbart News, sitting in for Alan today. We will be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end -end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who, who got, got his, his first, first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize, 
Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. You can find my work at Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. Inflation is still getting worse under President Joe Biden, but it's getting worse at a slightly slower rate. It's decelerating, as they like to say, which means it got worse, but not as much worse as it got in the last few months. Hopefully a positive trend. We all want inflation to come down, and it's going to have to slow down before it stops, but not really cause for a great deal of enthusiasm here. We will curb our enthusiasm as we look at these numbers. There's a really interesting detail in the consumer price index that came out. It says that overall, inflation increased, got worse, by 0.1%, which is a very modest getting worse. It's not getting better, but it it only got worse by 0.1% in March, which is nice. But then there's a little caveat here. And the reason that it got only a little worse in March is because food and energy didn't inflate as much as they have been doing lately. And that brought the entire index down. Now that's interesting because back when the government rejiggered how it keeps track of inflation many years ago after the Jimmy Carter presidency, they decided to separate food and energy from the rest of inflation. And they created a new measure called the core CPI, the core consumer price index, which is the inflation that they generally want to talk about. And they segregated food and energy because they said they're volatile. They swing up and down too much 
demand comes and goes. The demand for fuel gets more pronounced during the holiday seasons in the Northeast. It's more pronounced during the winter. People have to heat their houses. So all these fluctuations are making that price bounce around. So we're just going to push that out of there. Same with food. Food fluctuates, demand comes and goes. There are, are droughts, you know, the, the world food market to some degree has an impact on all of this. So that's too volatile. So we're not going to count that either. We're going to back those things out when we talk about inflation. And of course, at the time that this was all being done back in the 70s, most people would say, well, heck, energy was the whole reason inflation went crazy. How can you not count that? So they, they do inflation with and without energy prices and food. And the without is usually the number they pay attention to. Now, the without number, the number uh, calculated for consumer price indexes without food and energy was actually much worse in March. Usually it's it's the other way around and having those volatile uh, goods involved that tend to inflate a great deal makes it worse, but not this time. This time, the core CPI, which does not include food and energy, went up by 0.4%, almost half a percent. So it went up a considerable amount more. That's four times as much as the inflation in the headline report went up. So a lot worse if you don't count food and energy this time. And that's not good news because it's already so high. If we were talking about low inflation, 0.1%, 0.5%, we could manage that for a while. We could cross our fingers and maybe hope it was seasonal. But at this point, we know it's not seasonal. This is a permanent feature of the Biden economy. Inflation just keeps getting worse and worse. It's sky high. It's not going to go down anytime soon. The average American family is now out. I, if I remember the number I saw the other day correctly, it's pretty close to $6,000 extra that you've paid in inflation since Joe Biden became the president. That's a $6,000 Biden tax that was slapped on you in order to finance irresponsible government spending. And you didn't get to pay it. You didn't have to write a check for it. You weren't told it was happening. You were just kind of squeezed out of that money. Every time you went to the store, everything costs more. You know this. If you're listening to me, you've been to the store, you know what's going on. So the, the screws were tightened on you slowly but surely. And before you know it, you're out 6000 bucks more that you've paid for things that you needed in your life. And now the only way to fight inflation is to adjust interest rates. And the Fed is going to be making some more decisions in May about the next interest rate change. They raised interest rates in order to cool inflation down, which is something that they, they frequently do. That's a standard response to high inflation. But that means that interest rates are going up, which means you're paying more for a car, more for a house, more for credit, which we, we use a lot of credit these days. So that's hitting you from another direction. It's like you're getting squeezed in, in two directions. We're going to reduce inflation by increasing interest rates and you little people pay both of those things. So you're, you're going to lose it one way or the other as they try to, to adjust these prices. This is not good news. None of this is good news. Inflation should not be this high this long after the pandemic and the pandemic shouldn't have been what it was. We're still paying the price for shutdowns, lockdowns, stimulus checks, gigantic, stupendous, unimaginable amounts of government spending that were ladled out when the economy was brought to a halt that never should have been done. And we're, we're going to be paying the price for that for a long time to come. This is just one of the many ways in which that is catching up with us. Nothing is going to really fix inflation and interest rates unless the government starts spending less money. Everything else that they're doing is just running around putting out fires on the deck of a sinking ship as long as they're, they're twiddling with inflation rates and interest rates to control it. The real problem here is that the government takes too much money, spends too much money. It's paralyzed the economy. It's clogged our economy up with garbage data 
data. Government spending is, is like static. When you can't hear music that you want to hear, you can't hear something on the radio because there's a lot of static in the background. That's how radio used to work. Uh, it might sound incredible to you nowadays listening to this crystal clear transmission of today, but radios used to have a lot of static and you'd fiddle with the dial to get the, uh, the station you wanted. All of this government spending is static. It, it obscures real price messages. Prices tell us where labor is needed, where goods are needed, who really wants them. Uh, prices incentivize companies to provide goods in greater quantity or at lesser price. It's information. Money is information. Money is data. You probably can understand that more easily to now than ever before because so much of our transactions is electronic and we do so much with uh, Apple Pay and Google Pay and all that sort of thing and we have credit cards. We don't really throw greenbacks and coins around as much as we used to. So you have more of an idea than ever that money is data, is information. And what you're seeing in this inflationary and high interest economy is that the pricing signals, the data has been distorted. It's all garbage and noise. There are no pure calculations being made and it's confusing. Companies don't really know where to put their efforts. They don't know who to hire or for what jobs. They don't know what products to create in order to satisfy demand. And the people aren't really sure what their demand really is. When you go to the grocery store and you look at these ridiculously inflated prices that you're paying today, and you might have noticed, this is something that started uh, many years ago, but it's getting worse and worse. You, you notice that one of the ways food inflation is hidden from you is by charging roughly the same price, but you get less. You go out and you buy a bag of potato chips and that bag is now half full and it used to be two thirds full and they're charging basically the same price and tricking you basically and thinking that it's not as bad as it really is. That kind of thing has been happening for over a decade now, but it's getting more and more pronounced in, in the modern day because inflation is so painful and it has to be hidden. They know that you won't pay the true inflated price for things, so they have to conceal the effect of inflation, which again is garbage data. It's static. You're not being given real information about how how much those potato chips cost. You're not being given the numbers you need in order to make rational decisions in your daily life because it's being hidden from you. The cost of government is hidden from you. The effect of inflation is concealed from you. The reason your uh, insurance is going up, the reason why you're uh, paying more interest on things, all of these are kept mysterious and incomprehensible to you. And unfortunately, a lot of small businesses also have a hard time seeing through that static. And they're supposed to be nimble and agile. How can you be nimble when you're working in the dark when you're blindfolded you don't know what's going on so that's the real message of this persistent inflation we're divorcing value from money and nobody really knows what anything costs anymore and it's a serious problem i'm john hayward deputy national security editor for breitbart news sitting in for alan today thank you very much for joining us on this hour of the alan nathan show The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.